To stay on top in business, stay on top of your technology with the new Business Desk podcast, the business of tech. Listen on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. If I can make it It is seven past eight. Jake Tapper not only plies his trade, of course, as an anchor at CNN, he is, as it turns out, an author as well, and as it turns out, a very successful author. His sixth book is just out. It's called All Demons Are Here, so we thought, why not catch up and have a chance to check with um, Jake Tapper, who is with us. Very good morning. Morning to you, sir. Is that your dressing room that we're sitting in this morning? <laughs> it's my office, which includes uh, my suits and my shirts and my ties. How so many, how many ties to... have you got there? Oh, way too many. It's obviously a vice. I wouldn't say that they're all the most modern ties. I mean, I'm 54. This is an accumulation of ties since the 1980s. There are a few in there. Fantastic. So, so we watch you, of course. Uh, I don't know whether most people would know you're an author or not, but you are clearly in a very successful one. Uh, the the creativity and the link between what do you get out of writing fiction that you don't get out of working on television? Um, it's a lot more fun. I have a lot more control over the characters and what they say and do. It's probably a way in uh, in some aspects uh, for me to make sense of the what what I'm living through and covering um, because you know these are historical thrillers so they involve. Um, Joe McCarthy in the 50s and Frank Sinatra in the 60s and Evil Knievel and Rupert um, Rupert Murdoch-esque character in the 70s in the latest book. And so it probably helps me figure out how I think about things in a, in a more creative and fun way than the way I do it uh, in my journalistic job. It's a very, it's a very um, clever way of doing it, Decades. Why Decades? How did that come about? Just randomly, the first one ended up um, being about um, I thought it'd be fun to set a thriller during the McCarthy era. Um, and um, while doing promotion for that book, uh, I learned this story about Frank Sinatra and John F. Kennedy. And then I said, if you know, if I got an opportunity to write a, a, a sequel, I would base it on this real story about um how Sinatra, after helping JFK get elected to the White House, wanted JFK to stay at his Rancho Mirage estate near Palm Springs. And Attorney General Bobby Kennedy, who was going after the mob, squashed that plan. And Frank Sinatra lost his mind. He just got really upset. He destroyed the helipad he had built. All of that is a true story and a real falling out uh, happened between JFK and Sinatra, who was, you know, his one of the a major character in his life in the campaign. So anyway, at that point, it was like I had done the 50s and then I did the 60s. So the 70s just made sense. Well, the 70s, of course, you lived through, I'm assuming. A little bit. I mean, I was a kid. Yeah. I mean, yes, entirely. Entirely. Yes, I did. But I don't remember much of them because uh, I was born in 69. So this book takes place in 77. I was eight. I remember almost none of what I write about in the book. I mean, I remember Elvis dying. That was a big deal. And I remember Jimmy Carter being elected president, but that's about it. Yeah. I, I, I'm a little bit older than you, three or four years older than you. I remember Elvis dying as well. I was in the playground at school and it, it was it was the first time in my life I remember thinking this is a big deal. And everybody yeah. seemed to think it was a big deal. Yeah, no, definitely. Although I have to say I was a bigger fan of Elvis than my parents were, even though they had lived through the Elvis, you know, the height of Elvis's uh, success. I I was a, he was the first um, 
musician I loved. So I was more upset about it. Although my friends were more into Kiss. Um, <laughs> I I marched, I marched to the beat of my own drummer. I really liked Elvis. I really liked his 68 comeback special uh, on NBC. That was a really cool album, I thought. Fantastic. So your 80s next, 90s, and eventually you'll catch up to where we are. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I mean, the, the 80s certainly call out to be written about uh, the rah-rah Reagan era and uh, and also – um, I have some ideas for it. After that, I don't know. I mean, also, my characters actually age with time. And Charlie and Margaret, uh, who are, you know, the heroes of the first two books and the parents of the heroes of the third book, you know, they're born in 1920 and 1922. I don't know that I want to, <laughs> I don't know what that I want them hobbling around at age 100, <laughs> you know. Uh, trying to solve crimes, I might just go back to other e other years and yeah. have fun with them. If people still want me to write about them, that is. I mean, a lot of a lot of people who write thrillers ultimately end up coming up with new characters yeah. and new series. I read a piece about you the other day. You're out in Hollywood and you're doing some business with them and selling these books and stuff like that. Is is the success of this side of your career important to you, or is it just like an outlet? Oh no, it's just gravy. It's just fun. I mean, and like my my job is the journalism. Um, that's that's where my passion is. Uh, the books are fun and a lot of uh, a lot of joy. They bring me a lot of joy. If it gets picked up by Hollywood, that's just an added bonus. That's such a crapshoot, as you know, mm -hmm. to have anything like that ever done. So yes, I'm in talks. I mean, I had, you know, I wrote a book about Afghanistan called The Outpost that came out in 2012 and then they made it into a movie that came out in 2020. And, you know, that was a, a fluke that it even happened. Uh, Hollywood is so mercurial and it's so undependable. <laughs> I, I just so anyway, I am I am talking to somebody about making The Devil May Dance, the second book in the series into a, a streaming show. Uh, and right before the writer's strike, yeah. we were, you know, kind of getting towards, you know, announcing it and all that. But then the writer's strike happened. I can tell you that Christian Slater is very interested in playing Charlie in The Devil May Dance. That's the Sinatra uh, thriller. Um, but again, that's not anything I would bet the house on. But that's how cool is that, though, if it is just gravy? And the gravy turns out that you can hang out in Hollywood for a while, and Christian Slater becomes a friend, and you oh, sell it's a very book. cool. I mean, come on, I'm not. I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm not like I'm not blasé about it. I'm just. <laughs> I'm just also very realistic about it. It's very cool to be able to have a conference call with Christian Slater and talk about the characters that I created. I mean that. Yes, that is very joyful for me yeah. because you know I grew up watching pump up the volume and Heathers and, and Broken Arrow and all these great Christian Slater films. And, you know, he's a great actor and I, 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 I love knowing him. Yes. I'm, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not, I'm, I'm not any less uh, starstruck than anyone else would be. I just also know from experience that Hollywood is fickle yeah, and uh, I'm just, you know, if this happens, that would be amazing, but I am not, getting my hopes up. Fair enough. Hey, listen, hold on there for a couple of minutes. Will you? Jake Tapper in his dressing room with us this morning. Now we'll come back, talk about CNN in a moment. 14 past. News Talk ZB, 17 past 8. Jake Tapper is with us, author and, of course, a CNN host. I can't I can't let you go, Jake, without asking the obvious question. I mean, if, if you know, this, this, if you were to write a book, right, 
about what was going on in America right now, how broken, busted up, and weird the whole place is. I mean, that fits into fiction, doesn't it? Because no one would believe you. No one would believe it. It wouldn't fit into fiction because it wouldn't... It, the idea that where we are in this country right now, um, especially when it comes to just the uh, divisions on facts and truth... Uh, is so stark that I think that if anybody had told me about it 10 years ago, I would never have believed it. And I never, and, and the idea that Donald Trump, you know, who 10 years ago was, I mean, being made fun of by Barack Obama and, and Seth Meyers at the white house correspondence dinner a little over 10 years ago, mm. uh, for, you know, his racist, uh, where's the birth certificate campaign, and then also just, you know, he was known for being on The Apprentice or Celebrity Apprentice. The idea that this individual was the one who was going to convince tens of millions of Americans to not believe facts about any number of things, especially the election. I, if you had told me that, I would not have believed you. Of course not. Uh, where, where does that leave a person like you in the world of reportage when it's so cartoonish? In how it well, you just out. have to. I mean, you just have to report the facts and and um, and not get caught up in the emotion of it. Not get caught up in the in uh, one side versus the other side. We're just here to deliver the facts. It just turns out that one candidate is particularly untethered to those facts. Um, and you know, some it's it's bizarre it's oh. certainly bizarre i can't pretend it isn't from from a distance so i sit here in new zealand and and without getting political about it neither of the two main players let's just pretend it's it's trump and biden next year neither of the two main players strike me as the finest examples of human beings a country of 300 plus million could find how the hell did that happen you know, it's funny you say that. So I became, uh, I joined the board of trustees of, of my university, Dartmouth College. And we we just hired, we just hired a, a new president, um, this woman, um, Cyan Baylock, who was the president of Barnard College, and now she's the president of Dartmouth. And in order to do that, we went through this very rigorous process with a, a firm that does this for a living, that, you know, this is their what they find people to run multi-million or multi-billion dollar elite institutions um all over the world i mean that's a that's a job a headhunter it's a very serious thing and you know basically what you're suggesting is that if the united states of america had hired this same firm exactly you seem to be wondering whether either Trump or Biden would would. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, yeah, yeah, yeah. but whether they either would be on the top exactly. twenty five. Is or, that? I or mean, top, is that top twenty five hundred? Twenty top twenty five hundred. Well, you're not the first person I've I've heard to to make <laughs> such an observation. Um, but this is where we are as a country. It's a fascinating country. Hey, listen, terrific to talk with you. Good luck with the book and good luck with it all, and we'll get you on again soon. It was a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. Jake Tapper out of his dressing room in New York City. It's 821. For more from the Mike Hosking Breakfast, listen live to News Talk ZB from 6 a.m. weekdays or follow the podcast on iHeartRadio. If you enjoyed this podcast, you will love our New Zealand Herald podcast, The Little Things, hosted by me, Francesca Rudkin, and my good friend, Louise Airy. 
We focus on all the little things that you can do to make a positive impact on your life and to cut through the confusion from the health and wellness industry. Join us every Saturday to hear from the experts for all the tips and advice you need. Just search The Little Things on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.